1: Okay, back by no one's demand but our own, and from our home office here in sunny, eh, more overcast, scenic, <laughs> quarantined Elizabeth Park, Nashville, Tennessee. It is the award winning 615 Sessions podcast powered by Two Rivers Ford. It's brought to you, as always, by A to Z Sports and A to Z SportsNashville.com. Happy Thursday, friends. Buck Rising. Here with you, got a lot to talk about. A lot of your Music City mailbag questions. Off-season Titans topics to get to. I got defensive coordinator stuff. I got stuff on pass rushers. I got questions about Mike Vrabel and my cocaine-fueled podcast habits. All of that ahead, as well as our friend Alex Doherty, who covers the Preds for A to Z Sports. We'll get to all of that here in just a second. Right after I remind you about our friends at Two Rivers Ford. That is where you go for the non-commissioned sales staff that takes care of you so well. That is why you trust the people at Two Rivers Ford, because they're not going to put any pressure on you throughout the course of the car buying process. Even if you just want to go and check out some of their new 2021 models, like the new F-150, the badass new Ford Bronco, the Mach-E electric Mustang, you can do so with peace of mind, knowing that those guys They're going to get paid whether they make a sale or not. That's why they're not going to force a sale down your throat because they're non-commissioned. It's the beautiful part of working with our friends at Two Rivers Ford. Powered by Ford, driven by people. Check them out in Mount Juliet or online at tworiversford.com. Let's get to Alex and then your mailbag questions. Back here, 615 Sessions Podcast. Uh, You know this man, you know this voice, certainly, if you are a subscriber to the A to Z Sports Podcast feed. Alex Doherty, who covers the Preds, here for us on the website. He has, of course, the Preds Nashcast, which you can hear in this feed on Sundays, typically, is when it airs during the season. Subscribe, rate, and review. Leave the man five stars. Nice things in the review section. And if he's here, that means it's hockey season, and we're a little late to the party. We're about four games behind, but luckily they postponed one, so we got time to catch up and have Alex on the podcast. What's going on, buddy?
0: Hey, how's it going, Buck? Glad to be here. You're never late to talk about hockey. It's pretty much always hockey season.
1: <laughs> you know that's what that's what people keep telling me. It's uh, it's just I, I I continue to I continue to uh, to feel like I'm playing catch up. Like I DVR all these Preds games so that I can be uh conversive I guess when it comes time for me to talk hockey uh but I always I always feel like I'm I'm a little bit behind but they had a game postponed we were just talking about it I asked you a a question that you gave a good response to except I wasn't rolling it because I'm bad at this so uh for the people who are who are late to the party like myself uh, what what the hell's going on with the Preds and the Carolina Hurricanes right now Did I freeze or did you freeze? Hello? You got me? I,
0: I'm, I'm there. I'm, I got gotcha. you. Sorry. I, I don't know what happened. Uh, oh. I think I got your question. So the, the Predators had a, a game postponed last night. They, they played three games. They're two and one. They had a game postponed against the Carolina Hurricanes. It was a home game uh, because the Carolina Hurricanes had five players test positive or five people test positive. I think – I think, it, I think it was five players, so they canceled or postponed the game. That's not been rescheduled yet, but so far, there's been no no positive tests for the Predators. They are scheduled to go into Dallas uh, this weekend. They're scheduled to go there Friday for a game Friday night and then Sunday, and as of now, John Hines said today after the practice that uh, that everything's still on. Their, their, their whole team's practicing. Dallas's team is still practicing, so they should be good to go, and the NHL has you know, tried to do, tried tried to learn from you know the NFL and and the NBA and and how to you know manage this kind of thing and um, not try to disrupt things too much. So I think they're, I think we're going to see games again on Friday. So that that's good for Pred fans.
1: Yeah, this has been kind of the the interesting thing to to follow throughout the course of the NBA and the NHL coming back. How would they do? Because they were so successful under the bubble format once they were one of the. Uh, first two leagues to kind of soldier back out into the middle of this thing. Now, obviously, zero, with...
0: zero positives during the bubble. Yeah,
1: exactly. And now, with the exception of the teams who uh, who play in Canada, um, this is a this is a situation where you know, everything's kind of fair game like the rest of the leagues that have that like the NFL who kind of stormed back in here and is, is pushing forward as if nothing has changed at all, which maybe maybe is a good thing, maybe is a bad thing. I don't know. I haven't made up my mind yet. But with, with hockey, I guess, how, how has the transition into the start of a somewhat normalized regular season been for the league as a whole?
0: Well, I guess it depends on who you ask, uh, from the league's perspective, I think that they've, they've done a pretty good job. They set up these, uh, regional divisions to reduce travel. They set up a schedule that has a lot of close, um, a lot of back to backs, And you, you play the same team a bunch of times in a row, uh, in order, you know, if they do have some situation where there's a positive, uh, or a possible COVID outbreak, even, uh, they can manage that. And, uh, you know, for the, for the predator, from the predator's perspective up until last night or until yesterday, there's been no issues. I mean, there's been nothing. And in fact, the predators themselves have taken um, as John Hines said, some extra precautions. They've, they've spread out their team into multiple locker rooms. Um, I don't think that's something they have to do. They've split up division uh, positions. For example, Pecorine and you Saros are not in the same, you know, they don't make a lot of contact with each other because you don't want to be in a, Denver Broncos quarterback situation where you don't have a goalie. <laughs> so, uh, so, th- so they've done that. And, and so far it's been fine. There have been so far the Dallas stars have had a, have ha- had some exposures and that's why they're put, po- they had to postpone some of their early games and now Carolina. Um, it, you know, we're only what uh, 10 days into the season or something like that. seven days into the season. So uh, it's not a great start, but you know, it, it's, they had they had to do that. They had to figure out a way to make it happen. I mean, they, they needed to have a season. So um, they're just plowing through, I guess, until they can all get vaccinated. And um, maybe that's the next step is, is when that finally happens. But, um, yeah, it, it's it's been I, I think from fans from fans perspective, you, you, you have something like 130 straight days of hockey or something like that. It's crazy. So so it's really
1: nice. It is refreshing to have it back. And the Preds, surprisingly, uh, and, you know, early, early, early results so far. But the Preds, I, I did not expect much from them at the start of the season. They got a lot of new parts, which I'm sure will go over, and, and some familiar faces associated with uh, with big salaries that they kept around. But they have been very, very refreshed looking if that makes any sense based yeah. on your analysis. I guess what have you made of them through their first four games now and how have they kind of how they kind of meshed with the new pieces that they have?
0: Yeah, I would I think the the players have have had that sentiment as well that they've said that things feel a little bit different. Um look they they had a rough rough year. I know a lot of people had a rough year in 2020 but the whole season of 1920 was a rough year for the Predators. They fired Peter Laviolette. They had the situation with Kyle Turris, but they had to buy him out. They had to get a new coach in here. And then as soon as the new coach gets in here, they have to shut everything down. Um, it, was, it feels like they just got a brand new clean slate to just start over and, and reassess kind of where they are. And they made a lot of changes, not just a few changes. I mean, most Predators' team from year to year change. There are a lot of new faces. If you're a Predators fan of the last few years, you know, ever since the Cup run, maybe you jumped on board. There are going to be some names and numbers that you're not going to recognize. Right. Uh, Nick Cousins, Eric Hollow Mark Barbieski, Matt Benning, uh, Luke Cunning, All these guys are all new and and contributing. Uh, in, in my opinion, uh, a couple of the additions are were. Massive upgrades from last year. Mark Boriewski is one in particular. He's a good defenseman uh, who who's taking over for Dan Hamhuis, who retired. He's been a huge upgrade. There've been there've been upgrades all over the place. So it's a, it's a brand new team, definitely a fresh approach. And uh, so far, you know, a two and one start. That's probably that's fine. I mean, they they've played well in all three games. Um, I, I think that they've got a real shot to make the playoffs this year. And and you were really wondering if they were going to do that last year.
1: Right. And that was Alex's very gentle way of correcting me. The fourth game would have been the one against the Carolina Hurricanes. I misspoke earlier, the Preds (laughs) currently two and one. So uh, with with the with the number of additions that you mentioned, John John Hines came into a a situation which is not uncommon by any stretch of the imagination in, in the NHL with how frequently they fire coaches but was kind of tasked with guiding this sinking ship as previously constructed into somewhat into kind of living up to their living up to their salary, essentially Mm. was what uh, David Poyle kind of put him in a position to do again, very, very early sample size, but where is John Hines heading into this season and how, how comfortable should Preds fans feel with the guy who's been tasked largely with riding the ship so my
0: my take on john hines is that he's 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 so different from laviolette from a uh a teaching standpoint he seems so much more like an like an educator or like a like a college professor kind of guy whereas laviolette was just a mad dog uh, just a, a barking get mad at you, make you skate your butt off all kinds. I mean, he was just very different. I mean, you could not have two more different coaches. And so I think John Hines, because of that, he's had a lot of classroom time, you might say. I mean, because he's just this, he's a very heady kind of think about the game kind of, kind of guy. Uh, And now that he's finally gotten some time to actually install that on the ice, you're saying, you're seeing the, the benefits. The other thing is some of these guys mentally have not been in a great place. I mean, uh, Ryan Johansson did not have a good year last year uh, he's you know one of your top paid players um, Pecorini did not have a good year he's your top you know franchise all-time leading goaltender uh, Matt Duchesne came in underperformed in his first year uh, even Philip Forsberg had a down year the only guy that really performed to his contract is your highest paid player Roman Yossi who won the Norris Trophy so like there's a lot of guys that are just not up to contract like you said they're, they're not playing up to their value. Um, John Hines seems like the kind of guy that's going to be able to make him do that. Uh, and, and so far we've seen that. Uh, will he be able to integrate some of the young players into the game is next is, is, is in question? I don't know if some of these younger players, Luke Cunnin, uh maybe they get Ellie Tolvanen back into the, into the mix someday soon we might see Philip Tomasino, who's a 19 year old really star prospect in the making you know is he going to be able to get those guys in the mix? I don't know, but so far I think the the, the grade on John Hines is a passing one. Um, we'll just see how far he can take it.
1: Is it bad that I? Is it, how immature am I that I get nervous every time I get ready to say Luke Cunnan?
0: <laughs> Luke, yeah, Cunnan. It, it, it's a very strange name uh, pronunciation. I, I would have I would have said Cunnan or something like that. But yeah, Cunnan. Uh, man, a, a lot of the it, what people have problems with the new defenseman board, Boreas. Borbieski because it's Polish. Right. Um, pro- hockey names are hard to pronounce, and people mispronounce them all the time. So don't get nervous. It's
1: okay, <laughs> I got. I have to be coddled. as somebody who uh, who speaks uh, for a living, with pays my mortgage with uh, with talking. I I have a I have an innate fear of certain words, and the closer and closer I get to the microphone or saying them into the microphone, it's just like you know this is this is the anxiety that I live with because I'm an insane person. Anyway, <laughs> uh, with uh with the situation is the NHL NHL kind of tries to cycle back into more and more uh, or closer to normal. Obviously, this is a this is an adjusted season coming off uh, the one that wrapped up in the bubble, just not not that long ago at all. It feels for both the N- NHL and NBA. Uh, the the health of the league is something that I've been really really curious about from a financial standpoint just because hockey uh, you saw the whether whether you want to call it creativity whether you want to you know look at it kind of skeptically with the way that they essentially sold off their divisions for sponsorship where where is the NHL right now with their with their financial status maybe that's I'm not asking I guess for numerical specifics just kind of how healthy is hockey from a money standpoint
0: um well, uh, they have started allowing ads on hockey helmets, if that yep. tells you anything, for the first time ever. Uh, they've started allowing um, – the, the, the answer is not good. Uh, the, the, the Gary Bettman most recently came out and said that the league um, is incurring losses that are approaching not the – he was trying to say billion. He didn't want to say the word billion, hmm. but he was saying not the M word, but the B word, and he was talking about it in terms of money. So he was talking about billions of dollars, which is a lot of money. And it's like, so I, I mean, he even he even implied that I think this was just pandering, but he was implying that, well, we're taking a huge loss to make this happen, so that should tell you how badly we want to do it and how much we're committed to it. Whatever, that's fine. He can say that. <laughs> I I don't I don't know. If, you know, there's they don't you know they don't show us the book, so we have no idea what that right. even. Uh, I, I would imagine that the league has taken a, a, a bigger hit than, I mean, by far a bigger hit by far than the NFL, than the NBA, than maybe even baseball. I mean, this this league strives on revenue from the teams, uh, the TV deals, which have taken a huge hit. Um, there's so much, so much that they've not gotten because of the of the fan uh, of fans not being able to play the games or not being able to play the games. So uh, it, it's not great. Uh, they, they, they need this season to happen. Uh, I'm not saying it's like, you know, either, either they'd play it or the league folds, but they just, they cannot take another year off or even uh even a, you know, a postponed year. And that's why they, they committed to the bubble. Cause they were like, we have to, we have to award the Stanley cup. We got to do this. Um, I think that they're still positive about it because they've got plans. I mean, they're still, uh, in the most recent, they had to, they had to adjust the CBA, obviously, for COVID, um, as I'm sure the other leagues did too. And they inc- they included league expansion. So the Seattle, the Seattle team is gonna be coming, they're they're coming. They're they're committed. So like they paid their one billion dollar franchise fee or whatever it was. Yeah. So they're coming too. So they, they know that roster expansion is coming. So that should tell you they're at least positive that they're gonna get through it, but it's it's not pretty right now.
1: Yeah, that's the thing that I've been fascinated about from just because hockey, hockey in a way, football, football is going to take some pretty significant losses just with the lack of attendance that has been allowed. And and the Titans were one of the few that finished the season as the as the season continues, but finished their season with fans being able to attend really from the second home game on with with hockey, given how much smaller the the arenas are and how much more of their of their finances rely upon that gate, particularly here in Nashville, and and to see that the that the Preds really didn't do much in in the way of of layoffs or uh, furloughs or things like that. I've been really impressed with them to be able to want and outside of the, the normal turnover that you have in positions like those that would be potentially you know vulnerable to furloughs and layoffs. Been really impressed with the way that the Preds have kind of been able to keep their head above water. Um, where, where are we on, on pace or are we at all on pace for fans being able to attend games at Bridgestone arena outside of what looks like friends and family crowds right now and sponsors?
0: (laughs) Um, right. The the official word is, uh, indefinitely. They don't, they don't know. Uh, if I had to guess. So when they, when they said that there were no fans allowed, uh, initially they, they said that that was through January. So they specifically said through the month of January, on any home games, no fans, uh, no fans are going to be allowed. They were allowed to though by the league. The league said that there could be so much percentage per per arena. The Preds and a few other teams, I think Tampa Bay maybe was another one, that that opted to say no fans to start. Uh, my, if I had to guess, I would say that they probably extend that into February, just based on how the COVID outbreak is still pretty bad right now i would i can't i wouldn't see them opening up in february my guess would be march so that would give them about let's see it's 56 game season 28 home games it would give them roughly you know 18 to 20 home games where they could have at least like 15 percent attendance which is like 1500 people or something right so um my guess would be March. Uh, if it was earlier than that, I would kind of be surprised. But I, I do think that we will see it. I, I think that they'll open up at some point and allow fans back in the building.
1: Well, it's it's going to be fascinating to see the way that it plays out. I mean, you know, everybody's going through the same kind of things. But hockey hockey in particular, you, you just kind of – you're, you're happy to see it back, but it does sound a whole lot different. I mean, I know we went through the whole, through the whole bubble without, without fans in attendance, but something about it's like trying to watch college basketball without fans. I just, I'm left jarred by the experience.
0: And I have not gotten a chance to see that. I, I, um, the, you know, they've had obviously three home games so far. I was all planned to go and uh, go to the opening game on the 14th and then, uh, uh, I actually got exposed, so I, my my wife got a positive test. Everything's fine now. We're all past quarantine, but I got I got shut down for 10 days, so I I wasn't able to go because I I really do think that that's a uh, something. I, I it's not that I want to see it, but like it's it's a obviously a very different experience. I mean, like you said, I I in my mind I cannot picture a hockey game without a, a hockey game at Bridgestone Arena without 17,000 people right like it doesn't it doesn't compute i have to be able to see it to understand what that's even like and so you know i will definitely we'll definitely get another chance to see that and, and the few media members that have been there uh have been able to see it and said it's very strange
1: i uh, it's i mean you know it, god knows how long it's going to take for for us to see full arenas and stadiums but like that that first home game for the titans Against the right. Jags in Week Two, where there's there's eight fans that they've allowed a home alone sweepstakes in for. There's the two teams, and then there's us slaps in the press box, and that's it in a 70000 seat stadium. Yeah. And I I swear to you, it is uh it is it it's something that was I'm glad I experienced it and witnessed it. I hope I never see anything like that again. It's just it's it doesn't suck all the fun out of covering sports. But there's a lot of it that's tied up in the, in the atmosphere. I'm never going ne- to – for as much as I like to dismiss fans on Twitter, I'm never going to take them for granted again, I swear to God.
0: I was just going to say that. Yeah, it, makes, it does make you take them for granted. I will make fun of Fred's fans till the day I die, yep. but I will never take you for granted. <laughs> I, I, I love being able to hear the crowd and see your angry responses on Twitter whenever something bad happens, I, I, as, as I'm sure you're familiar uh you, you love to interact with the fans, uh for good or for worse.
1: Yeah, everybody, everybody listen to this at home. We love you. We just like poking fun at you. It's not ever personal, and we miss you more than ever. My god, do we miss you? Uh in- I
0: will screenshot Facebook comments all day long.
1: <laughs> the face Facebook is a particularly poisonous place, but that's a different kind of comment and fan entirely. Alex Doherty is going to be covering the Preds just as he has done so well for a disease sports. You can read him of course, at a Nashville.com. He has columns and posts that go up on a regular basis. The Preds Nash cast, which you can find in this very same feed. So I don't got to tell you if you're subscribed, rated and reviewed, does it every Sunday with Link? It's a very enjoyable podcast. It's very fun. If you are somebody who is looking to just kind of get into the hockey conversation, it's a great a great way to dip your toes into the water, although it's frozen the water. So you know you you, you look out for that. Don't get too cold. Yeah, anyway. and,
0: and we've we sort of altered our our uh, our format. We we do it every week now, so it's every Sunday and a little bit shorter. We kind of tweak the format just a tad bit, and uh, yeah, I, I would say that in the in the podcast. Uh, in in the A to Z Sports podcast uh, um, uh, network, that's what I'm trying to say. Uh, it's it's kind of a a, a different. Obviously, it's about a different sport, but we're you know we're different than the balls guys, we're different than the Titans guys, but uh, we talk about a different sport. But uh, check us out, and I think you'll I think you'll enjoy it, and you will probably learn more about hockey than you uh, than you wanted to.
1: Well, and don't tell the other guys, but it's my favorite podcast in the podcast (laughs) feed. So, you know, we can hold that over Jack and Huff and uh, Charlie and everybody else's head uh, at a later date. Anyway, Alex, it's uh, good to see you. Appreciate you uh, catching up and informing the people on what's going on with the Preds. And we'll knock on wood and hope that Friday's game goes off without a hitch or a COVID positive test. That's right. All right. Take it easy, Buck. Thanks. Time now for the Music City Mailbag. You guys slide in my DMs at BuckRising, R-E-I-S-I-N-G, and I give you what you want. I give you what you're asking for, whether it be Titans-related, life advice, although I don't know how many people are asking me for life advice. Clearly nobody today. But if you want your questions read in the Music City Mailbag every Thursday podcast, you can slide on in. My DMs on IG. Logan McCoy, Logan underscore McCoy92, starts us off. What are your top 5 offseason to to-do list for the Titans? For him, personnel. Hire a DC and OC if Arthur leaves. He obviously has. to decide on whether to offer a contract to Corey Davis or let him walk. If you decide to let him walk. Do you test free agency with cheaper wide receivers or draft one? Humphreys was a bust in free agency, so perhaps the draft is better. Three, he would renegotiate Malcolm Butler's contract. If it's too expensive, you can re-sign Desmond King, although that doesn't make any sense because King would be more expensive. Four, Logan would get pass rush help. Trade for someone, draft someone, sign a free agent, all of the above. Five, D-line help for Jeffrey Simmons. Daquan Jones is a free agent, and there's no one else to help him. That's from Logan underscore McCoy. 92. Okay, so let's start with the first, because obviously at the time that Logan sent me this, Art had not yet accepted the head coaching position for the Atlanta Falcons. So that, that's going to happen first and foremost, so that's where my list starts. You hire an offensive coordinator. The thing that I think they're most focused on is hiring somebody who can provide them scheme continuity with the personnel that they currently have. If they were at a different spot as a roster, I think they would focus more on kind of reshaping or kind of tooling the roster to the play caller that they have. But in this particular case, all your heavy hitters are under contract. Derek Henry, Ryan Tannehill, A.J. Brown on a rookie deal. Your offensive line is very much secure. So you're looking to keep them as comfortable as possible so I and we've seen the reports of of them interviewing Tony Elliott, the offensive coordinator for Clemson. I think the best option at this point is to remain with an internal candidate. Now, top of the list for an internal candidate would be Todd Downing. I see a lot of people talking about Keith Carter. Uh, I'm not certain why. It's not nothing against Coach Carter. He did a fantastic job kind of with a shuffling. Uh, deck of offensive linemen this year, specifically at right t- or, excuse me, left tackle. But I don't know why that makes him qualified to be a play caller. Not that he doesn't know the scheme, but the guy with the experience on the staff right now is Todd Downing, who was an offensive coordinator with the Oakland Raiders while they were the Oakland Raiders. Now, that didn't go well because Oakland was a joke at the time. And I, I'm sure there's some fault on, on, uh, on Coach Downing as well. I'm sure there's some things... That he would do differently. He's got really good players here. So if you are to look internally, if you are to look at somebody internal with experience, I would, I would put, uh, not if not 100%, Like I would say that 90% chance that Todd Downing, if they go internal, is the guy that they promote to OC from tight ends coach. Right now, that's where you start. Secondly, you sign Matt Judon. You throw all the money in the world at Matt Judon. I don't want Bud Dupree coming off an ACL. You need pass rush help. You need developed pass rush help. You need somebody that can help Harold Landry. Immediately, that guy who can play all three downs is Matt Judon. Now, you're going to get into a bidding war with a lot of other teams, namely Baltimore, because I'm sure Baltimore... Actually, I say that, but Baltimore has always kind of been really good at replacing their talent, when it hits free agency. We went through the same thing with Zadarius Smith a couple of years ago. Pernell McPhee, who's actually back on their roster, was a situation similar to that. This, this is kind of what Baltimore does. So Matt Judon would be my top-tier target when it comes to pass rush, but understand, you're going to have to pay out for him, which is going to cost you some of your own uh, re-signings. Draft a wide receiver? For the same reasons that you're gonna spend all the money on Matt Judon, you're not gonna spend that money on Corey Davis. Hell, I don't even know if you spend that money on Johnu Smith, Daquan Jones, or or Jayon Brown. Like I think there could be there's gonna be some roster transactions made that allow you to free up money to sign at least one, re-sign at least one of those guys, but the money that you are not gonna spend is gonna be on Corey Davis because you're gonna draft a wide receiver with the cap taking a $20 million haircut this year. It's it's critical. Then I think that they should explore ways to restructure Taylor Lewan's contract. Because I've gotten a lot of stuff about would the Titans trade Lewan? Would uh, would is, is it beneficial to move on from him at some point? And that to me makes zero sense. But he signed a five-year, eighty-million-dollar deal back in 2018. He is in the four, he will be heading into the fourth year of it. He has a relatively low cap hit based on how the deal kind of played out. Thirteen point six is what he'll make. Now the dead cap money, huh, goes from twenty-two million, twenty-two point two million last year to four point one nine. Nuts! How much money they could save by cutting Taylor Lewan? Now we're trading Taylor Lewan, getting Taylor Lewan off their books. Now, I don't think that's essential at all. In fact, I think Lawan, based on the caliber of player he is, like you're getting a really good value when he's heading into his age 30 season. I think, though, that if you need to, if you're looking for places to start restructures, I think you start with Taylor Lawan and maybe Malcolm Butler, who's going to be the subject uh, of a question later on in the mailbag. But, you know, honestly, 13.6. The more I talk about it, the more I see it in front of me doesn't feel that bad to me, even as you're going to be, you know, you're starting, you're starting this offseason about $7 million over the projected salary cap of one seventy five. So with 20 unrestricted free agents, there's going to be some losses. There's going to be some guys that get cut to save money. Taylor LeJuan's not one of them, but uh, perhaps a restructure would be beneficial for, you know, maybe not both sides, but for one side, certainly. And finally, figure out what the hell to do with Panda, speaking of offensive linemen. Like, this is a really, really long answer. Five five off season things, but you got to figure out what you got in Isaiah Wilson if you have anything uh, with Isaiah Wilson. Now, it it is my personal belief, and I I say this tongue in cheek, I say this in jest. This is not a report. um, But every time I see Isaiah Wilson post something on social media, because he hasn't stopped posting things on social media, the thought crosses my mind: Does this man just flat out hate John Robinson (laughs) for the way that he just blatantly blatantly does things that opened? Now, John up for more criticism because this is the guy who drafted this dude. And, yes, he's young. Yes, he's immature. But, like, <laughs> it, just, it just doesn't make sense to me why Isaiah Wilson behaves the way that he does. There's just no reasonable explanation other than I think he might hate John Robinson. <laughs> but I'm, I'm kidding. I don't know that. I have no idea. Um, but you got to figure out what the hell to do with Panda. That's my five lists or five off-season to-do list subjects for logan underscore mccord j neil 93 i guess while i'm messaging you about your cocaine fueled podcast habits he says i can go ahead and submit a mailbag question what do you personally think given mike vrabel's demeanor is going to do about shane bowen in the dc position so it's kind of like it's kind of like the what we talked about with the offensive coordinator what what mike wants is somebody who can run his defense well like whoever they bring in and you got, I've got a question about whom I would bring in if they are to bring in somebody. The next person who's responsible for calling plays for the Tennessee Titans is going to be the person best equipped, in Mike Vrabel's estimation, to run Mike's defense. That's what this boils down to. So with Bowen in particular, I really, 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 really do believe that unless their dream candidate shows up, and at this point, I don't know who that would be, but I really think that Mike's going to give Shane another go at this thing, Now, whether he's the like by title defensive coordinator or not, and they go with a similar, a similar situation this year, I, I couldn't say. But I think that what they're looking at with this team, based on what I know about the conversations around this stuff internally, it's a personnel issue more than it's a Shane issue or a defense issue, and Mike clearly doesn't think it's the scheme. Chris 09 Moore says, for the mailbag first time in a long time, which players do you believe are most likely to be cap casualties? I heard you mention Humphreys. Is there anyone else that comes to mind? Thanks. I'll hang up and listen like this is a radio show. Uh, So Humphreys, the more that I look at the Humphreys contract, you really don't save any money, um, any legitimate money that would benefit you in a substantial way by cutting Adam Humphreys. That much I understand. Um, it's about $2 million. Now, we were actually going through this in the A to Z Sports group text the other day, and Ben Jones' name came up. Now, my initial reaction was, hell no. Ben Jones had a really, really good year. He's tough as as shit, frankly. Uh, And he is not somebody who I think that they are better without. But the way his contract is structured uh, makes it, he, uh, this is the last year of his deal. They can save six point two five by cutting him, with only one million in dead money against the cap. Vaccaro's like this as well. Um, so Kenny Vaccaro, I think, is first on the chopping block just because of how physically diminished he appears to be. Ben Jones is a sneaky one, but they don't have a good replacement plan at center, and you don't want your offensive line to fall apart without theoretically. The most important piece, not named Taylor Lewan. Keep an eye out for Kenny Vaccaro, though. We finish with J.L. Beckner, 86. If we hire a new D.C. outside the current organization, who are the most likely candidates? Thanks. I, well, see, J.L., <laughs> at the risk of, of lying to you, I, I really don't know that. I don't know who Mike Vrabel thinks could do a better job than the person they had doing that job last year. Terrell Austin is somebody who they've interviewed, but outside of that, it's been pretty hush-hush. And now, with how everything how everything is virtual, and there will be no combine, like it's going to be pretty hard to suss out the details on this stuff. What I will tell you is, I would expect them to have their staff finalized by the first week in February. That's typically when these things get knocked out right after the Super Bowl. Um, and I just I, I wish I had a better answer for you than that. But at this point, I don't think they're looking that hard, is what I'll say. So, for me to give you candidates outside of the organization, they got to be looking at more candidates outside of the organization. The Music City mailbag here on a Thursday. Slide in my DMs on Insta at BuckRising, R E I S I N G. Another great week of pods. We look forward to bring, bringing you more good conversations on the heels of Conference Championship Weekend in the NFL. A lot of stuff going on with Tennessee. We'll keep tabs. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review to the 615 Sessions podcast in your A to Z Sports podcast network feeds. In the meantime, I need you guys to stay safe. I need you to stay clean. And I need you to stay hot, Nashville. This has been the award-winning 615 Sessions podcast. It's powered by Two Rivers Sport, and it's brought to you as always by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville dot com